0: This is the Atlanta Foodcast, stories from those making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm Ben Getz, your host. Bacado is one of those restaurants that has aided in defining dining for Atlanta, and the restaurant has been a part of Westside for 10 plus years and continues to hold a place of dining reverence for our city and will for many to come. And chances are you've seen the guy in charge throughout the restaurant during your last visit. It's Mr. Brian Lewis, and this gentleman's story is one that I really love and appreciate very much, and we sat down at the restaurant pre-service so I could hear things from his side, how Bacado and Bacado Burger came to be, and to have a chat about the industry. So here's Brian. Oh, man. Um, Brian Lewis, welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for thinking of me and uh, oh. letting me be here. It's been... Uh... At least, uh... Six or seven years as I've been like dining on and off. Oh, at, wow. At Bocado. Yeah, so, thank you. Yeah. Um, only twice have I been up to Bocado Burger <gasps> up in Avalon. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't go there yeah. either. It's a long walk, <laughs> you know, is what it's I tell a people. It's very long it's walk. It's my best dad joke <laughs> that I have. It's like, have you been up to Avalon yet? It's like, yeah, it's just a really long walk. I'm yep. uh, so, Yeah. Because so. we, we live over on the east side of town and so we, uh, we barely drive whenever we, unless we absolutely have to. So, um, as, yeah. as it should be. Yeah. It's like, you know, if we can walk there fantastic, but we have to get in the car. It's like, we have to do that next year. Yep. So <laughs> I, I got that. I, yeah, I, I appreciate yeah. It. Yeah. That's
1: why it was, it was established. For them, not for us down here, <laughs> exactly. right? You have bocado over yeah, on the west side. Yeah, just yeah. get to the west side. Just walk to the west yeah. side. Don't walk yeah. all the
0: way up to Avalon. Yeah. You're crazy. Um, well, man, I'm really excited to sit with you and hear a little bit more of your background, the history of the restaurants. And um, before we get into that good stuff, though, yep. let's get to know you a little bit. So uh, I have a series of questions that I like to ask all of my guests, a uh, little bit of torture and mostly just you know, hearing your history. But um, let's start out with number one. So tell me who cooked for you growing up and what kind of cook was he or she?
1: Oh, that's a great question
0: um so
1: my i come from a family that was split up very young age and my mother was you know the, the head of the household and she um she did her very best to cook but oddly my brother and i picked up the reins very early probably in our eight to, to nine range we were you know sufficient. No, we weren't cooking gourmet (laughs) I remember one of my um, meals to my mother was cube steak out on a grill and let me tell you cube steak does not work on a grill and I can (laughs) picture it now (laughs) and so um, (laughs) so you know we we kind of muddled through growing up but I would say the biggest influence I had was my grandmother so I feel like food missed a generation with my mom's side and it was my grandmother who really was in the kitchen, who spent a lot of time just teaching and cultivating my brother and I's passion for food. And oddly, so just a little side note, he has a really wonderful restaurant in Birmingham uh, that's quite well known and um, quite successful. And. So Very Cold, cool Yeah Called cool. Betola Oh right on yeah. That's great Birmingham's a great city man Yeah it's coming along They've yeah. really advanced a lot I mean I would say It's like Atlanta You know circa 2005,
0: but it's, it's coming along for sure. Every time I've been driving like, uh, West and then North, like up to, you know, like the Northern part of Alabama and then into Tennessee to get to like Nashville or Memphis, uh, stopping by is always great. It's easy to get around still, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's really nice. So
1: that's really cool. Yeah. So, so my grandmother, you know, we're Lebanese. So I was doing a lot of kibbe and baklava and, and meat pies and, um, tahini and, uh, so it was it was a lot of fun um, growing up in her kitchen and I think that kind of you know subtly planted the seeds yeah um, for for both of us. yeah so it was really great.
0: Lebanese cuisine is amazing.
1: It really when it's done well it I, I find it extraordinary how just a few ingredients mm-hmm. can be very complicated to arrange perfectly yeah and make taste to taste flavorfully and and execute it
0: well so yeah. I, i'm always challenged by it yeah and uh, incredibly versatile as well yeah. you talk about tahini it's like you know you want to use this as a binder you want to make it into a salad dressing yeah. you want to yeah. you know um golly yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> and when I and mean, when you break it down
1: i mean it's just got it's good for you you know Body wise, but it it Mm -hmm. has a lot of diversity. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Research the sesame seed, everybody. It'll blow you away. Yep. It's amazing, right? (laughs) It really is. Uh, What's your first, like, real food memory that has, like, gravity? Yeah.
1: So I would say it was in, I was at my father's home, and just to put the playing field out there, I was a very, picky eater growing up i didn't eat anything it was butter and noodles and and chicken fingers kind of thing you know (laughs) it was the worst menu ever but i had this moment and my father had gone um tuna fishing with some friends of his he brought back this big you know container of full-on tuna and this was probably 1994 so it was Back in Blanc time, 1990s. <laughs> um, so he produced this sesame seed soy beurblanc sauce on this rare tuna. And I remember the chair I was in, the direction I was facing, the moment I ate this. And, and at that time, I was eating fried shrimp. And from that moment on... It just opened my mind to everything. Wow. And I almost, I like to think today my palate was being preserved. And now my sensitivity of my palate is incredible. So, you know, when I'm in the kitchen and I'm tasting something, it's, that's not seasoned properly. That's broken. That's uh, needs this. Mm -hmm. And and I think it really helped me because even today I don't eat a lot of condiments. And I think that's one of the things that condiments were kind of in my mind designed to cover up instead of really, <laughs> yeah. you know, enhance a meal experience. Yeah. And so uh that that was an important moment for me. Yeah. And from then on, I was not only eating, but I was cooking differently, I was eating out differently. I was um the the experiences just really changed for me. Yeah. And where was home? So I was in Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia. Oh, so right. my my dad was had a vineyard and winery up there. Good and place for a vineyard. Yeah, it was great. Um, learned a lot. You know, I like to think of um, people think wine is like this elevated moment, but it's really <laughs> it's farming at its like oh, yeah. uh, baseline, and it's difficult and it's challenging from day to day, and and it's um, and it, I think it really helps to um, build your soul, and it helped to build my work life and. Um, and really put a a good passion behind working hard and thinking through that. So
0: yeah, um, one of the, uh, one of the only other like torturous questions I have for you is since it's the morning, um, what'd you have for breakfast? Oh, geez. Um, you you and I are drinking
1: it both right now. So I I drink coffee. I'm kind of like a, I like to think that I, um, I'm, I'm really into fasting or like Mm -hmm. the the intermittent fasting. So Mm -hmm. You know, have a cup of coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. I might eat a couple bites throughout the day mm-hmm. and then have a, a more substantial dinner. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. And, you know, kind of complete it out. But also, I'm tasting a lot throughout the day, so I'm, I'm shocked by, you know, little bits and, and bites can really fill me up.
0: Yeah. So like, you know. which one of these has the most yeah. calories? <laughs> Where's the most yeah. fat? Yeah. <laughs> can I try that avocado thing yeah, again, exactly. please? Like <laughs> three more times? Thank you. Um, tell me how you got into the restaurant world.
1: Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I, would, I would say that also kind of started to, you know, my grandmother plant the seed. My father, I think, exposed me uh, through some traveling. And, and it was at our winery <clears throat> that, you know, we would put on these sort of grand winemaster dinners that were seven, eight courses, and be paired with our own wines. And, and it was just magical for me. And I love the service and the hospitality. And, and we had a small carriage house where we could seat about 50 people. And, you know, just the planning and the, the linens and folding and polishing and, and really setting that mood and experience. And it was, it was a great moment. And I, I learned a lot and how to, you know, greet and interact with guests and how to talk through the experience, and 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 then working with our chef at that time, and you know really learning about the food and preparation, and and how to skillfully walk and course out a meal, and then pair it with our wines was it, it was a real memory. And mm-hmm. so I would say that that exposed me, and you know, and then I went away. I went kind of silent, dormant for about five and a half years. Um, got into the corporate world. Um, for for a little bit, and and I just felt this little tug back into it, and and wanted to, you know, kind of got off on my own. So yeah, it was it was a slow, I would say, slow growth, but it it, it happened. Yeah, did you get a chance to spend any time in the kitchen? So I I like to think that um, my experience uh, long term has been in the kitchen, but I'm not of the kitchen, and so. I felt like if I was tied to the kitchen, I I wouldn't be able to understand what was happening in the dining room. Mm. And all the, you know, the the kitchen makes it, but the dining room breaks it. And and so having that ability to pop into the kitchen, having that ability to taste things, having that opportunity to work with our chefs and, you know, really uh, think through our menu and ingredients and sourcing and things of that nature, I do all those things but I'm still able to move fluidly throughout the restaurant as necessary. And mm-hmm. I think that for me was of great importance because, you know, here at Bocado, we have our, our, we have 50% of our kitchen has been here for almost as long as the restaurant. That's incredible. And, and they're so, such a small, tight group and they, it's a, beautiful dance in our kitchen and I think that when people think of us especially they think about our consistency but then there's the dining room and you know my dining room changer as you know can be high in the front of the house and 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 while we do have a lot of consistent players the the requirement for training and being on at every moment is difficult and and so you know I think that's where I also get to play and, and engage our staff, yeah. which is important because people need that without it. You know, the, you can have great food and great wine and, and beverage and design. But if your people aren't caring for their, for our guests and timing things properly and having the right education and confidence and, and knowing when to do things, they, they will, they're, <laughs> they're, they're not coming back quickly. Yeah. Um,
0: so I love that answer. That's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's so, um, you know, I mean, I I love getting to sit with so many people and hear the story and perspective of someone who has, you know, mapped their career from being, you know, a, chef, or they, you know, spent three years in Paris, and then they came back, and they worked on the West Coast, and then made it back here, and then they opened their own place, and then that turns into multiple locations or right. mul- multiple concepts under yeah. one chef, you know, like that's, you know, a driven concept under someone's design from a culinary perspective, yep. um, or you know, someone kind of takes the the route of, you know, I ended up in management, now I work for a restaurant group, or, um, but it, it's so interesting, you know, that the, you know, I think from from most people's perspective, they might not truly grasp, unless you've worked in the industry, might not grasp really where everyone's place truly is. And it's very rarely like, well, I have like, in some, in some instances, absolutely. But you know, like I have one station, like this is my restaurant. Like this is where I am. Like every single night, it's like, You know, I've, I've talked to more people about like, um, you know, I had to fix a plumbing issue. I had to fire three people today. The truck didn't come in on time. I was unloading the truck with all the kitchen staff and then I had to fix the toilet. Yep. And I think I'm um, on my ninth cup of coffee. You know, like those are more of like the real stories of yeah. someone who works in a restaurant. It's, you know, I think what's hard is that a lot of people see this as this very glamorous lifestyle. And it, t- it truly can be. It's it amazing. Can, it can be. But yeah.
1: they're, 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 it's very much like wine. It's farming. I was in boots and jeans <laughs> and dirty. <laughs> right. And I would look down, you know, uh, half an acre row of grapes and my whole day was going down and back. And mm-hmm. that was all I accomplished. And, yeah. and yet, uh, you know, this industry, there's such a dance when it comes to your front of the house and the kitchen and the communication and and having things, you know, prepped and ready because Mm -hmm. hospitality is much more than just a smile and a greeting. It's being ready for your guests. It's having the products on the shelves. It's having the preparation. It's having people in place and trained and ready. And, and then the curtain goes up and you've got the dance and the, the, those movements, you know, affect people because I can't tell you how often I arrive at a table and they're talking about food Mm -hmm. and the conversation of food is such a important one. And I think I love when I, you know, people are just, you know, eating every bite as if it's precious. And that moment I think is,
0: is it's just a fulfilling moment. Yeah. You know? And, you know, you bring something to mind that I think is becoming more prevalent here in uh, probably throughout Georgia, really. I mean, from here to Athens, Savannah, even starting to look more like Columbus and Macon. Yeah. Um, I think more people are are, are you know, kind of Going a few steps beyond the fence of like, oh, farm to table is what I care about the most. Like, okay, well, now I care about what does that actually define in a dining experience? And I think more people are getting to the point of, okay, I understand that you say that you work with this farm, but what does that practical relationship actually look like? And, you know, I love that you mentioned having boots on and, you know, spending a full day on a half an acre of grapes and I think one of the the big things that I would implore people to do whenever they can is go spend just do a tour of a farm if you go to your farmer's market like let's say you go to freedom farmer's market every Saturday get to know that farmer that you love that grows turnips or arugula or tomatoes in the summertime whatever and like go see how their day looks, yeah. you know? Cause I, I was astonished, like one aspect that, you know, I got to tour a farm up in um, like right, out of, right outside of Alpharetta, like right outside of like Milton, um, you know, you know, when you say that you're an organic farmer, I was like, well, what does that mean if you're not using pesticides? Cause like bugs love plants, So yeah. like what do you do? And their answer was just so beautiful. It was like, you know, most of the time, it might not seem like it's uh it's possible, but sometimes it's picking bugs off of plants with your bare hands. Yep. And go placing them somewhere else. Yeah. I was like that to me like that that would escape the idea of anyone's mind. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's it's incredible what I think we do as an industry. And I think,
1: you know, when I look and I see the the degrading of food and the degrading of this industry as a whole, I, I it it sort of wounds you a little bit because mm-hmm. There is so much effort that goes into each one of these um, dishes that we put together or the planning behind it or the sourcing of these ingredients. And and people don't see that because it's just food. We eat it three times a day. Big deal, you know. But it's really a lot more magic that's in, engaged in, in that. And when you talk to Bobby Britton, and he's bringing in his trash bag full of arugula, he's breaking his back picking these one by one because yeah. they don't come on a stock. It's one by one on his plant. And, totally. And and that's different than some guy who's growing it hydroponically versus mass production. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's it's backbreaking work and it's tough and these guys work really hard and I think there's an appreciation and, and, and when people appreciate food at that level, I think that's when they say, okay, well now I understand how things are priced. You yeah, know? totally. Because we've we, we we're in such a drive-through convenient you know city now and, and and people are getting better at cooking, which is great. you know they're yeah. they're learning a lot. there's access to better ingredients out there for them and and so the home cook is becoming more intelligent and capable um, and and you know I have friends who will cook at home and and they get ticked off when they mess up their steak or mm-hmm. their fish on the grill and they, it's like how, now I understand why chicken is so delicious like it takes a lot of effort to cook chicken perfectly right totally um and i think that's the shock value of w- what you see in the dining room here is when people go well i i know chicken i cook it all the time but this is different yeah. and it's a flavor profile it's a preparation and skill and
0: i think that's where you know people they come back here and they appreciate that yeah Big time, yeah. I mean, I think just the you know the way that food is becoming more more or less about the overarching education of how your food is grown, where it's grown, the relationship between farmer and restaurant or farmer and chef, and then then I think the next step or like the upper echelon of this education is why does it taste not only different but why does it taste better? You know, and um, I think that's kind of that's really more what I see is like so many people are striving to not just paint that until they're blue in the face. But of there's a reason that I work with, you know, this, this farmer, because it's, it's consistent and I can build a menu around that one ingredient. And you see that in four different dishes on my menu. Yep. And there's a reason behind that. Not just because like, well, we need to have, you know, this, this bib lettuce, you know, for this salad, but also on a burger or whatever. But there's a reason that that comes through the door because, not only does it taste better, but it's also the relationship that makes it possible, and um, it's cool to see that that's happening. You know, from you know every every side of Georgia, like not just here in Atlanta, yeah. which is really cool.
1: Yeah, uh, we, we've got some decent variety here in Georgia, for Victor. sure. Yeah, yeah which, which is, really cool. is great. Yeah.
0: Um, so let's uh, let's fast forward your story a little bit to 2009. Oh, so yeah. you get to the point where Bocato is part of your vision. Yep. So talk to me about that part of your story.
1: Yeah, so it's 2009, we're you know, kind of deep into a, a really bad recession moment. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I was a little bit blinded by what was going on mm-hmm. I, I, when I looked backwards. And the, the, that moment for Atlanta, there was, you know, Holman and Finch had just really, they began their bakery that year. Uh, we were their first bread client. Um, you know, H and F, you know, and, and Rush Eugene and a few of these other players were, you know, beginning and they really I think helped to start the, the, the industry uh a year or two prior to O nine. And then we come along and um we settle here on the West Side and you know, I, I knew Steven Satterfield was setting up shop and we opened just a couple months before him in O nine. You know, I knew that um you know, you had Hop City here on the west side opening. Yeah, you had Five Seasons that just had opened um, a few months before us, um, and then Fort Pride would come a few years after us um, with the Optimist on our corner, and and so I think we kind of started to establish this lower sort of west side area on Howell Mill and Eighth, and and I think you know our our goal was to have a small, thoughtful. Well-executed menu that had variety, that was sourced with great ingredients. And, 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 and the idea really was that we became very playful in our small plate section, knowing that people weren't adventurous. And when you are adventurous, you don't want to lose it. You're not going to spend 30 dollars on adventure. You might spend, um, you know 14 or 12 or 10. Yeah, And that opportunity, um, I think really gave people a perspective. Yeah. Um, and then we kept our, our entrees more typical to what the way people eat, but we, I would say we're culinarian, but we're not slapping your head, uh, with like expensive, outrageous things that people don't understand.
0: Yeah. For sure, you know it's it's cool that you mentioned that because you know over the years that I've dined here, um, you know there's there's like you can you can probably see where you know one of my questions is going to be aimed more towards like the burger side of your story, which I think a lot of people can attribute some of their experience you know in your restaurant to. But I think I've had more more dishes as I've dined in this restaurant that have not been an item that someone has told me like you have to have right. it's always been like you know it's like okay i have that in my mind but then i look at the menu i'm like dude i really want to have this pasta dish or yeah. like you know this seared fish or um i mean I, I i can't remember everything i've had over the years but like it it hasn't been that i mean it's it's always been like a the, the menu has been pleasantly surprising and not in a very typical way or a way that could be expected. It's it's really interesting. I mean, I, I think a lot of people might think of um, you know, of an experience that they would like to have when they go to a restaurant, but then when they actually look at the menu, you know, and yeah. they, they see like, you know, I think I'd actually like to have that. You yeah. know, I've, I've actually really enjoyed that about dining at Bocado over the years.
1: Yeah. I, I think where we kind of push our skill is in our small plates and, you know, like you have superfoods, which are super popular right now, but guess what we've been doing quinoa and a cashew lime butter and avocado and cilantro and for years and it's a delicious uh, little healthy food item that's vegan and vegetarian and and hits the point and that started years ago and we do fun things like fried broccoli with you know a tome um, cheese that we've you know uh, melted and it's uh, a throwback to the eighties broccoli and cheese when they're promoting dairy and, and eating vegetables. <laughs> right. And, right. and we've got, you know, fried quail right now and uh stone ground grits and uh, with a Tabasco white wine sauce. So, I mean, I think that we get very creative in our small plates and, and I think people really appreciate that because now they get exposed to different flavors and uh, foods out there. But, their investment's a little bit lower. And then if they do want the burger, hey, they go for the burger. And, yeah. But at least I've exposed them to some unique uh, ingredients and thoughtful dishes that uh, are not only just sourced locally or where we can get them, but, but really, um, you know, the quality side uh, of the menu. Uh, really kind of, I feel... We do really well and then I think on our entrees again we're, we're more classic I, I take a classic you know sort of French approach to our entree section mm-hmm. and let people just appreciate a really good meal you know how often I hear our steak is like I didn't I've never tried it before I tried it and because I wanted to do something different this time and that's my favorite dish on the menu. Yeah. So, I mean, it does happen. It just, people have to get over that burger thing. Totally.
0: <laughs> well, and, and I think that's what I love, you know, is like there's more and more restaurants that, that I have a chance to go to these days. And I think a lot of people would see the same as, you know, you have the experience. Like you go do like, you know, the, hey, we only have 40 of these and I'm going to be one of those. And then I have yeah. that experience. But then it actually becomes a restaurant that you want to go to over and over again because yeah. it's not only is it great, but now you, you know, you, you have a... You have a personal connection there and like it's a place that you've introduced people to and you've celebrated an anniversary at and like sure. it just becomes a good place for you to go because it's consistent it's consistently a really great place to have a meal. Yep. That that's almost like a <laughs> it's almost counterintuitive to the way that people typically like to dine, but it's it's almost kind of throwing it back of like you used to just go to restaurants because it was a good place to go. Right. And I think more people are seeing that of like when food is good, it's really good, yep. and it doesn't have to just be this, you know, which I hate, Instagrammable moment. Yeah. So I'm a b- bit of a curmudgeon when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> anyway, um, but um, but speaking of the burger, it's it's done things for you. Yeah. And and I've had yeah. it many times, and it's fantastic. You know, and yeah. it's a good burger. I mean, I I
1: have to admit, every time I try a burger elsewhere, I'm I, I, I'm I, reminded why people <laughs> eat this burger so much. Right? <laughs> That's why we did yeah. it right. Yeah, okay. So, I, you know, and I, I love, again, the burger, it's just so typical and so replicated everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I think what makes it really good here is that, you know, there, it's thought through from a beefy standpoint, from a fat standpoint, from a texture standpoint, and... You know, all the way from bread and portion and being ground here in the restaurant. And and so I think there's a, a lot of care. And that you, everybody knows a burger, but they really don't know a burger. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot more technical than than you think. Because, again, we all make burgers at home. And so it's so easy, right? But actually, the meat that you're buying at some grocer has been ground for some period of time if not weeks or months and some of these cases <laughs> yeah and then and then it sits there and it's not the same freshness it's not the same um it's not packed the same i mean so there's a lot that goes into it and i i think that's what makes it great and why we are successful at it but i think it's also something it's great that our guests can come and enjoy something so typical and appreciate that big time and and that that's hard to get that.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. But also, I mean, to get to a point where, you know, there's Bocato burger up in Avalon, I mean, that, but that's a testament to, I mean, well, first and foremost, I mean we were talking a lot about Avalon before we started, but you know, I think that that's, um, that's becoming, you know, more of a, of a very, it's almost like its own culinary microscope as part of the greater Atlanta area where like, Going up to Alpharetta four or five years ago, and be like, "What? Yeah. Why am I going why, up here? Why? Other than I remember going up there once or twice before Top Golf was open yeah, up. Yeah. up. <laughs> exactly. I was like, Is that the only thing that's up here? Other than people have these giant houses, right? And um, but now, I mean. Gosh, you can go to, you know, there's you guys, there's, you know, Ford fries up there, the guys from Taipani restaurant group, restaurant homes. Like there's a lot of good food up there and Palmer from, yeah. uh, I was going to say Indigo road, big time. You know, there's, there's a lot of really good food in Alpharetta and it wasn't that way when you guys opened here in 2009. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, that's a testament to like, Hey, doing a burger, right. You know, you guys have this concept that's focused around, you know, a single item you know yep. or just you know as, as it's being iterated yep um, and from what I can tell I mean I've been up there twice but it seems like it's uh, seems like it's doing pretty well for you guys yeah no there. I I, uh, I always like people ask me like how I came
1: up with it and it I would my, my answer generally is hey this is a way I want to eat when I'm in a, in a hurry and I don't think we have enough of those type of places and you know there's food that's executed perfectly fine but to have quality and have speed and consistency, it's ver- it's a very difficult match because generally if you hit one you don't get the other and, and people struggle with that. And I mean and, and to say that we haven't struggled, you know, just grasping the, the speed of it is was a real challenge in the beginning. Mm. Um, but but I, I think when you're you're eating you're on a path where you want to eat well wherever you go, that's very challenging. And most people will start to cut corners because they're making money. And yep. I think where we've been successful is we said, hey, we're, we're just going to make our normal margins and we're just going to celebrate something that's great and delicious that people love. And, and having that, um, like the money side of thing, isn't our focus. It, I mean, it comes, of course, with, you know, good work. But there, there's ten things in front of it uh, that we try to do beforehand, mm-hmm. and and that sourcing, that's you know the daily grind of getting in there and grinding meat every single day. It's mm-hmm. um, you know most people start to say, oh, we'll let someone else do that. They can ball up our meat, you know, whatever, because we're too busy. No, it, it's actually what we do, yeah. and and that takes a lot of effort.
0: Yeah. And it shows. Guys. Yeah, it, it totally shows. I mean, I think when you're saying like, okay, do we have a burger on the menu? And is it about getting something like off the line that is a burger, quote yeah. unquote, yeah. or is it about completing an equation? That's a very different experience of like, are we, st- are we still truly making this item if we don't have these three parts? Like, well, maybe not, yeah. you know? And exactly. when it, when it's done a specific way, when prep is done a specific way, when it's a matter of like, you know, Hey, the, the bakery didn't have power for two days, so we couldn't get the same buns. Like that's a real problem, that's a problem. For, you know? And like, how, how do you remedy that? Yep. Um, you know, that's a, that's a very specific type of detail, you know, that, you know, how, how do you go about that as a, as a, as a business and as a restaurant? Um, you know, but it's, it's upholding yourself to a standard, you yep. know, and standard sometimes is a, loose term or it's something. It's very loose. I mean, there's great food all around the city, but yeah. the
1: quality isn't th- always there. Totally. So they might have yeah. authenticity of, of their heritage, but the, they're not buying certain meats yeah. and we're not paying the prices for it. So, I mean. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think to each their own. Um, but for us, we wanted to just produce a great product. And, yeah. and there's that pride and that knowing what we do day in and day out that I think
0: um, really sets our tone do our staff. Totally shows yeah. here and up in Avalon, um, which again, this is a long walk. So yeah, I don't make it I up know. to Alfred all that often. <laughs> 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 um, but Brian, one of the, one of the last things that I want to ask you here is, you know, talking about opening this restaurant in 2009 um, and now this will be a year 11. year eleven, crazy. I mean, yeah. it's uh, January 3rd, yeah. uh, 2020, which is Oof. insane. But um, dining in Atlanta has changed a lot over the past decade and, the West side, I, I don't think I've ever seen it this different. So yeah. what, what do you guys, what, what, I mean, what do you, what are you seeing kind of for the next, like, I mean, honestly for the foreseeable future, but you know, the, the, the scene in general is changing, but especially where you guys are, like you guys are like kind of in the middle of this, like maelstrom of, you know, change.
1: Yeah. The West side has changed tremendously Big over time. the years. Um, you know, back in the day we were one of only a couple restaurants on this side. Now you have probably 40, new restaurants that you can dine at. Yeah. Um, so I, I think for us, um, the biggest change for the city is that you've created these boroughs that didn't exist um, back in 2009. I mean, you've got Pond City Market, it's, its own beast, you've got Emmon Park, Buckhead's become a lot more interesting to dine in. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Westside has, I think, still holds as probably my favorite dining scene in mm-hmm. the area just because you've got truly all local you know, owners uh, mm-hmm. running these places. So, I do uh, absolutely appreciate that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll feel a little bit better once all the construction's done. But <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot a of whole, cranes whole, over here. A <laughs> lot of cranes. Uh, a lot of holes in the in, in the roads. But, um, but yeah, I would say for us, you know, we are going to continue to stick with our, you know, original vision. We're providing, you know, great service, good food, um, stuff that people enjoy they appreciate they appreciate a good beverage program um and for the dining scene as a whole i think hopefully it slows down with openings and uh you know i feel like there's just been a lot of openings and and i you know used to be able to keep up with it and now i can't even yeah. get to all these openings and some of them are in- more interesting than, than others and i hope that we don't kind of take a step back when it's just like, Oh, well I can get in there because the landlord's going to give us a ton of money to open up. Um, yeah. but really opening places that are meaningful, that provide, you know, unique experiences for, you know, our city. Yeah. And and that's important because you don't want to just have the guy across the street who might have something similar to you. And now they just take a portion of your business because, uh, they also have a burger. Yeah. right? You want to be able to say the West Side is a collection of great restaurants that are unique, that individually have their own place on the West Side because of their uniqueness. And, yeah. and I think that's what I really do appreciate about our uh, part of town is that, you know, a lot of individual um, faces and ideas over here, which is great. Yeah, I mean, Really great. Um, so... Then you, Slow down. Stop opening so many restaurants. Let us continue to thrive and and grow. And you know, um, you know, we we love we love what we do. And and I think it's you know it's showing up every day. You know, and that that's one of the hardest part is to motivate your staff to be engaged every day. And you're only as good as the last service that you provided, right? Yep. So, you know, you were great then, but man, you could have a lot of hiccups if they're not in tune and not. Um, having a, a laser focus of w- what's happening and and being up to date on the menu and and expectations and whatnot, and so I think for us it's really going to be driving home that consistent value uh, that I think we've always had mm-hmm. for um, you know 11 years now. Yeah,
0: that's a great word for January 3rd. Yeah, like brand new year, brand new decade. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a. What more could you could you really hope for, man? So
1: Yeah, no. I mean it's yeah. been a good ride so far. We hope to keep it going. I just signed another 10 years, so
0: right. Here, here's to it, man. Yeah, right. Um well Brian, it's it's great to hear your story, man. Yeah, well thank yeah. you.
1: Thank you for you know letting me chat with you and uh really
0: really nice to hang yeah. out. Next time we'll do it over Lebanese Food. Oh yeah. I love that. So good. <laughs> All right, Brian, we'll see you soon, ciao. Thanks for listening to the Atlanta Food cast. If you haven't already, hit subscribe and please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram. And as always, thanks for making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters.